the cool thing about this though is the hardware is just hardware at the end of the day this is software that's running in the cloud and with the infrastructure that's out there already I could see a future where I go to your house and talk to your uh, smart speaker and I get my content because it knows I am me. And that's gangster. That's super gangster. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. My guest today is a futurist who's found ways to ground himself in reality by acting on the opportunities in front of him. He doesn't just talk about the future, he's on the conversation that's shaping the future. By day, he works with some of the fastest growing and most influential companies in the world, helping them on their marketing. But by night, he publishes about emerging technologies, defining what it means to be a future thinker. He's a growth marketer at Mark Cuban Companies, the founder of Inevitable Human, and a four-time LinkedIn top voice in technology. Joining me live is Q Harrison Terry. Thanks a lot, man, for joining me. Wow, that was a very concise intro. I, I, I like that a lot. Thank you for the opportunity. And I, I think I, for the people that are watching live, I got to do something. We are in the Hill House. This moment is special. <laughs> like we're in the Hill House. Like that's pretty baller, bro. <laughs> Thanks, dude. It's, you're, you're a hard person to kind of put a box around. You've got a lot of interests and a lot of stuff on the go. Like how do you describe what you do? I'm a future thinker and I like to create things. Like that's the most eloquent way I can say and define all the things that I've done. Is a future thinker like something that anyone can be or does it require certain skill set or knowledge? No, man, I feel like the knowledge that is acquired through your daily activities can be applied to see trends or opportunities in front of you. And I think the person that does that is a future thinker. Now, I think that future thinking is a skill and like any skill, some people are naturally gifted at it and others have to work for it. Or as we would say, you got to thug for it, right? Like sometimes you just got to gotta put that work in. <laughs> and that's where we're at in, in 2020, where we have these online communities where people can just congregate digitally and work at different skills and, and, and build up their foresight up their idea ideation like process they can build up their knowledge based on some of the the new emerging opportunities and trends in front of them and like you know where you're best at right like you might know the marketing technology stack in and out know all nine thousand companies because that's what you do on a day-to-day -day basis but at the same time you might not know anything about like you know uh I don't know, knitting communities, right? And be like, huh? Like, I don't know anything about online knitting communities. And like, it's when you meet that intersection where you're like, oh, I just learned this fascinating uh, thing about seamstresses. And like, because they don't get work through traditional methods anymore, they had to kind of blend their identities. And now they're, you know, in these online communities and they're selling people's clothes and making all this money of selling like digital prints. And you're like, ah, okay. What if you combine that with a HubSpot landing page. You can scale yourself effectively and you can do a 10 to the work. I think that that's what a future thinker does. And I think that the intersection of uh, how good you are at that is just about you know focusing on it and just, just going places that are uncharted and learning and applying yourself. 
So your official role is a growth marketer. What, what does that mean to you though? Like before we got online here, you and I chatted a little bit about as a profession, marketing is really funny because if you're good marketing, you probably don't need to tell people about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think as a growth marketer, the way I look at it is I'm the guy you come talk to when you need to utilize marketing to grow your business in some shape or form. And when I talk about growth, that really boils down into three categories, whether you're growing like your revenue, growing like your user base, you're acquiring new eyeballs, you're trying to retain those eyeballs. All of those are, are different problem areas for various businesses. And, and when you get to a point where you don't know what to do, oftentimes you have to start telling the story a little bit different and introducing your brand to people in a way that isn't often, I would say, it hasn't been thought of. And so that's when you call me. And, you know, when you call me, we make the magic happen. So you'd say you really focus in on what makes the story unique so that you can push growth in one of those three categories. Yeah, 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 yeah. I look at where, where the where is the brand strong? Where, what's unique about the brand? Who is the brand's persona? Like, and then how do you get in front of them in a way that isn't already saturated? Like there's so many channels and every day you just got to kind of look at it and be like, damn, why is there so many people trying to gather the same person's attention? Like, yeah. can we all just chill for a day? And like, that's not happening anytime soon. And so it's just out, outside of the box thinking and, and, and really you're just connecting the dots and saying, okay, if I need to talk to uh, sports fans in Oklahoma, you know, obviously buying a commercial on TV might not be the best channel or outlet for it. So we might have to get creative. Yeah, right on. So you're practicing this by advising portfolio companies for Mark Cuban companies. What, yeah. what does your week look like? Like how many companies would you work with at a given time or like what what kind of questions do they bring to you and then what what's that whole thing look like yeah so i mean to just talk about that at the highest level i work directly with mark cuban so mark has all the companies report to him obviously and then uh he'll pull me in as he sees need or fit if a company's growth objective then like i kind of come in and help him get back on track or if they're crushing it and they, they, they need more capacity and I come on and help in that in that that volume for people that are watching or tuned in if you've ever watched Shark Tank and you know Mark when he says hey you know you you take a shot with me or you do a deal with me I've got a team of people that'll work on it you know I'm one of those people on that team so that's how that works how big's the team it's about 16 of us. And I mean, the majority of them are attorneys and, and lawyers. So <laughs> that's, that's what that looks like. So I'm like one of six, right? Like, right on. That are like non-traditional, like specialist. And, and obviously you have to figure out, you have to diagnose these companies because they're not, they don't all need the same kind of assistance when they come to you, right? Yeah. I mean, like, it's just like, uh, think about like, if you were in an agency or you were a consultant, like, you know, you might have, 15 clients and, and no client really looks alike. So you've got to lean into what you know and build a playbook for what you don't. That's just, that's just the notion of it. Yeah. By getting to work with like, you are pretty much working as an agency structure almost. So you get to see a whole bunch of companies all in different industries, all with different problems, all with different customer bases. So you've got this really cool view of like what the, the landscape currently is. And your focus is on, Yes, growth, but your personal interest is a lot in the technology side of things. What's yeah, yeah, yeah. 
what are some of the trends that you're seeing right now that are just kind of across the board being used and some opportunities you see that are underutilized right now? Okay, so opportunities I think that are underutilized in 2020. I think brand avatars, super interesting space. And that's the whole digital human conundrum. Like, you know, can you digitize a human, right? Like that's the, that's the question I think is being answered right now. And there's a lot of different angles to answer that question. So you've got the deep fakes and like everything that's going on in that domain. You've got like Fortnite and like avatars on there. And like, I would put like NBA 2K and a lot of photo realistic video games where you kind of create your player. And then you've got uh, corporate avatars that you can buy. So you can go to a company like Unique or that's the company behind uh, Little Michaela. And you can kind of build your own per se. And like that's a little bit costly, but for brands, it's, it's, it's a way to do this. And then if you are, you know, young, broke, and you got to just kind of figure it out, but you want to know how to like market and build markets around this, you know, you've also got Bitmojis, Memoji by Apple. You've got whatever Samsung's offering is. They've got Neon now that they've branded. But like, there's all these two. And if you can figure out how to utilize that and, and best position your brand and, and, and figure out how to get in front of people with that, you'll be a first mover in that domain and space. So that's a, a super interesting area right now from the emerging technology side. I think the metaverse, which is the past 20 years brought us like the internet. So we got like the, the standard internet that everyone knows, desktop computer, all that good stuff. Then we migrated on to the mobile internet and then we migrated to the internet of things where internet was just everywhere and it's readily available because of Wi-Fi and all that. Now we're at the metaverse and the metaverse is what happens after the internet. And that's where you start to see things like virtual reality, augmented reality, anything that is dealing with experience that is only had because you are connected to something. So like, like right now I'm talking to you on bone conduction headphones, right? Like if I were to go outside and like put my Apple watch on and go for a run. And then I had like notification that pinged me every time I passed a historical landmark, that's the metaverse, right? Because I am in the physical world, but that world is being augmented because of technology. And I think that that's where I'd be trying to place but for my brand, you know, Pokemon Go is a great first example of that. But I don't think that that's even the precipice. I think that that's just the, the preview. That's the trailer to what's to come. So there's a lot to be happening there in this year, the coming years. And I think last but not least, this has been said a lot, but I'm going to repeat it. It's voice, right? Like voice is a net new interface. We saw how smartphones and their touchscreens transformed everything as we know it and how we interact. I mean, it even changed the modern remote, right? Like if you look at an Apple TV remote or even a NVIDIA Shield remote, they have touchscreens on it, right? That is game-changing. We have a game-changing interface with conversational devices, smart speakers, the Alexas, the Googles, the uh, series of the world. And now's the time for you to really find an advantage that you can get in front of people through these devices because there's 100 million plus smart speakers just on the Alexa side in homes right now. And there's no Angry Birds yet equivalent. There's no uh, Tap Tap Dance or, or Tap Tap, Rev uh, what was it called? Tap Tap Revolution. Tap, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah, was like yeah. the first iOS game that I ever downloaded. And yeah. it just all of a sudden blew up. Like it was, it was like, oh wait, you can have two people touching the screen at the same time? Yeah, yeah. Like you remember yeah. the two player one? So yeah, yeah. That, I haven't seen, I haven't heard of any type of voice thing blow 
it out of the water being like, oh my God, I, now I understand what this thing's for. So those are the three that I would like, if I were building a company today, or I would like, was just looking at emerging technologies that I think are ready, that's it. And then, I mean, there's a lot of, like, if I was maybe those things would change a little bit because I think B2B get a little bit more liberties because you don't have to talk to as many people. But for the most part, that would be my, my steady three. When you talked about like brand avatar, was that, is that so that the company can always have like a presence in your life without needing to like pick up the phone and call a customer support? Like you can always be engaging and it feels more like you're talking to a person rather than a company. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a vector, right? Like, I don't think there's one vector that fits all here. It's a, it's a construct that we're all figuring out what does it mean for a human to be digital right now? And I think, you know, I like the term brand avatar because I think digital humanity sounds, it it can get real weird and real icky real fast. And like, I mean, many things that make us human is not just our physical attributes. You know, you've got your soul, you've got your mind, you've got the way you you think and the way you move. And I think that like, we haven't even prepared to understand what should I do next, right? Like when you wake up, you're like, all right, what am I gonna eat today? Your, your computer just turns on. It doesn't say, oh, am I gonna, you know, drip, zip this much electricity from the wall outlet when I get plugged in next? No, it's programmed and it just does what it does. And they don't have intelligence, right? So it's, a, it's, it's marketing to even say artificial intelligence. These are all models. And like those models are, are quite impressive, yes. But we're at this point where like humans are still greatly superior beings and, and have uh, much more complex forms of intelligence than machines will have in the next five to 10 years. So I think that when I look at it, Digital humans are one of those weird things where it's like little Michaela doesn't know what clothes she's putting on. So I don't really call her a digital human. She's more like a brand avatar. Right. Yeah. Like she's, she's doing all the things that have been programmed by the brand to still represent that brand, those brand values, right? Like it's the same as, as the, the messaging you put out there, but now you're, you're, you're programming it into a communication medium of yeah. some sort. Your Fortnite avatar can only play Fortnite. Your mm-hmm. NBA 2K player can only play NBA 2K. Like they're they're brand avatars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, I see. Okay. Now I'm start, I'm seeing the whole picture now. Like they are branded as Fortnite and yeah. 2K. Like like yeah. When you see that in the world, even if it's not a like you're not playing the video game, if it was just a a GIF or like a sticker somewhere, mm-hmm. you still bring it back to Fortnite, like you know it 100 percent right mm, i see and there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of greenfield opportunities here because i think the space is gonna it's already poised for disruption right like it's an education it's an educational barrier right now but people are okay with virtual characters and entertainment we know that so there was it was uh so fast seven star wars and uh, there was a will smith oh gemini man all three of those movies have one thing in common. They've got digital characters that represent on-screen talent in all three. So Paul Walker, after he was unfortunate, after uh, rest in peace to Paul Walker, but after he was deceased, they needed to finish the movie. So they enlisted, you know, his brother and made a 3D model and kind of like did their, their wizardry. Like they worked those computers and they made a digital recreation or a brand avatar of Paul Walker, right? Or digital human, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, same thing with Princess Leah in Star Wars, rest in peace. And then the same in, in Gemini Man, which is more interesting, right? Because Will Smith's not dead. So they took Will Smith and they took like some of his fresh prints of their footage and a train machine learning uh, algorithm or machine learning model so that they could replicate his, they could like de-age Will Smith. So he could be like young in one scene and the regular self in the other. And that's like mad crazy. Again, a lot of stuff, the cost is absurd, but as we, if we know anything about technology and cost, if you're worried about cost today, you're tripping. I mean, look at how powerful your computer is today and, and, and what it costs. And then think about that same computer just 10 years ago, you probably go bankrupt trying to buy it then. There's a cool video I found of you. You found a website that you input like a sentence or two of, of text and then it yeah. predicts a little bit more of the sentence. And so what you did was you created a business plan for a company <laughs> just based purely on what the AI was like spitting, spitting back to you. And it was yeah, dude. eerie how good it is at just making up business jargon. That business plan, dude, if you get the right person to pitch that, I guarantee you get some startup money off that plan. And that and took for you anyone that, less than an hour. Yeah, I did that in 20 minutes. It was crazy. 20 minutes. Yeah. And like, and then you watch, if you watch the video, I don't edit. Like, I think I cut, like, oh, I, I decided, like, I was like, I'm only going to take a sentence. And then, because I kept wanting to run through it. And so I only took like the first, you know, I took like one fourth of what the machine gave. And that's like absurd, right? Like if I imagine if someone like took the whole thing and just kept running it, kept running it, kept running it, because effectively you're training the data. And as long as you've got good source material, it's only going to get better. That's the theory. Yeah, we've got unlimited source material, so it'll just keep working. <laughs> there's, a, there's a company called OpenAI. They have this model. It's called uh, GPT-2. What's interesting about that is they haven't released the whole model. So that site that I was using is only like a, it's like one tenth of like the actual model. So they're afraid that if the actual model would get released, it would be very hard to distinguish fake news from real news and computer generated news. So the computer would be also able to write at a much faster output than any other uh, publication because they can generate a new article every, you know, couple seconds. And so that was fascinating to me because I think that there's a lot of businesses that could be built around just auto-generated text, everything from market briefings, which in some, ex in some cases that already exists, but then you go one step further and say, okay, the whole newspaper could just be uh, generated by this AI algorithm. And like, you can put some guardrails around it, right? So you can say, hey, I don't really want an opinion-based newspaper. I just want straight the fact to be told to me told to me in a very concise way they have like a stylistic journal that they all journalists kind of follow and you could basically mimic that with the machine and voila you've got a newspaper that just gener that's just generated by algorithms throw a subscription on there and it's a business you know maybe it could be a unicorn maybe that's the free offer is here's here's just auto generated news you have to pay to hear a human opinion I like that a lot. I mean, it puts the human back in control. You know, like you pay, you paying for the people. I'm yeah. always down for paying the people. So let's rock with that. Yeah. <laughs> we need to have you on a future thinkers brainstorm. You know, we do this. Uh, we do this daily. Uh, me and Ryan, and we have special guests every now and then. Like, I like the way your mind thinks. Let's let's get you on one of those. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell okay. tell us a little bit about Inevitable Human. Like, what's it's a community. It's a it's a media platform. It's a whole bunch of things. What what, what are you kind of rocking with right now? Yeah, so 
Inevitable Human is a paid community for future thinkers. We publish content almost daily. So we have video content that is uh, accessible in our public library and our mem member library. And then we also have um, a daily briefing that I, I put out with my insights on the future. So I talk about whatever interesting technology or, or trend I'm seeing. You know, the other day I talked about longevity banks and uh, their impact on our lives. And I think that that's crazy because, you know, humans are, the human lifespan is just increasing, right? And because of that, our entire financial system is, is also going to feel the pains of that. So people aren't saving enough money for retirement and they're living longer lifespans. And you don't really feel the impacts of compounding interest if you're just getting started to save at 60, right? So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, how do we solve that? And we need some future thinkers to come up with innovative ideas. And there's, there's just a lot of things. And so quick theories is what I call that, that daily newsletter. And that's included with every Inevitable Human subscription. And then Inevitable Human, we have uh, a weekly call with a future thinker and we talk about all types of topics and members can hop on that and ask their questions. And it's a, it's a cool community, man. I think if anyone wants to sign up, they can just go to 1q9x.com and that's my, my gift to you. You can, you can join the community for uh, quite a discounted price. Amazing, man. Thank you very much. I've, I've gone through all the free stuff and I'm like, I'm, I'm itching. You touched on voice, which is something that gets covered a lot or it's, it's gaining popularity. If you, if you listen to any type of Gary Vee or any other kind of technology based stuff, like he's yelling about it because it's, it's an opportunity in front of everyone. <clears throat> Project voice was a conference uh, that happened earlier this year. What were some of the things you saw there that like you've been thinking about or kind of blew you away a little bit in terms of like the direction that some people are taking this. So there's, there's two major takeaways that I think that are like super fascinating that I hadn't really thought about beforehand. So I'm going to ask you a question. You have like, you, you still, is your, your, you, you have a grandmother, right? Grandfather. Yeah. Grandfather. Is he hard on hearing or can you? Yep. Okay. So yeah, I'm in a similar boat to you. So whenever I go back, I'm like the one grandson that like uses a pen and I write out like what I want my conversations to my grandma and I like, you know, pass it forth and the rest of my family thinks I'm an idiot. Right. Cause they're just like, man, I'll type that. <laughs> you know, and they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to talk. And like me, I'm like, no, I'll just write a letter. It doesn't take me much. And my grandma will write me back. I was at project voice. And what I was most impressed by was the applicability of voice tech to accessibility options. So next time I go home, I can now take my device, my smart device. I can open up the, you know, the app and I can talk and it'll transcribe what I'm saying in real time, show it. And you know, your grandma can speak back, you can hear it and you can just kind of do that. And so now they feel uh, much more like people that were, if you were disabled or you couldn't hear, or you were hard on hearing and you had this impairment where like you, it might've been weird to be in a normal conversation and, or your hearing aid wasn't turned on or all that. You can now kind of interact with technology in a way that's very similar to like what people already do. Right. So like I look at like my phone like this, I'm already on it like 24 seven people have texting neck and all that. Like if that's already a trend voice can say, Hey, take this and here's what this person's saying across from you. And I was just super fascinated by that trend. The second thing that I would say was super captivating to me with voice is discoverability. 
when it comes to smartphones and, and what we have there, we have this, this platform where people are pretty much conditioned to find an app through an app store or uh, another app, right? Sometimes you get that pop-ups. On voice, an app store is really kind of weird, man, because it's not like you're like, you know, Alexa, open up the app store. That's not how this works. And right. then sometimes if you don't have a screen, there's no like way for you to know what's out there. And there's some interesting uh, trends emerging surprisingly from Samsung and their big speed group. And they've got some, some ways in which they, they think that they can, you know, recommend intent or uh, really figure out how to enable people to discover voice apps quicker. And I think that's one of the things that's gonna be the, the delta and the inflection point between people just having the device and people exploring these devices and, and, and make personalizing them. Like if I ask you to show me your home screen, right? Like I'm sure, you know, my home screen and your home screen is gonna look a lot different. Like mine's, I've got a lot of content, a lot of email things, a lot of communication stuff, but you might have meditation apps and you know, you might have like other publications you follow. That's the beautiful thing about these personal devices is like they, they, they exist and they're one-to-one -one with us. We haven't seen that with voice yet, but figuring out the discovery component will allow us to get there much quicker. Yeah, and your voice is unique to yourself. So even if you've got a shared system in your house, everyone's voice, can it can read the intent on your voice based on your previous searches. And it's also connected to your, your physical computer as well. So it kind of knows your background and what you think about and what, you, what kind of content you're looking for when you ask a certain question. Exactly. You're spot yeah. on. Yeah. And I think that that's like most people haven't even figured that part out yet. I think uh, Amazon's doing a great job of like marketing that and branding it. But like you brought up a, a fabulous point. And when you talk to a voice speaker and if I would talk to a voice speaker, uh, it knows that it's it that you are you and that it is me because of our voice. So like it's kind of like, you know, like signing into your computer with a fingerprint and the desktop changing every time, right? The, the cool thing about this though is the hardware is just hardware. At the end of the day, this is software that's running in the cloud. And with the infrastructure that's out there already, I could see a future where I go to your house and talk to your uh, smart speaker and I get my content because it knows I am me. And that's gangster. That's super gangster. Yeah, that's super futuristic where you're just walking around and everything is reacting to your personal data, but the hardware is just unique, right? Yeah, you're hardware agnostic now, right? Like you can just kind of exist. And I think that's what the metaverse, like to go back to an earlier point, that's the metaverse, right? The metaverse is, you know, you getting information beyond the internet now because of these devices that augment the actual experience. So we have some very special times ahead, man. Seriously. You do need to have some type of consumer level understanding of what's possible though, right? Like you can keep throwing cool ideas out there and some early adopters will jump on, but in order for it to really take off, it needs to have that mass adoption because it's, it serves a huge need or a massive point that people have. So let's kind of go through an example of a voice AI let's say it's like a, an energy savings suggestion okay. bot or something. So your whole smart yeah. house is connected to, this, to, the, to the voice. It's <laughs> monitoring everything. It knows how much electricity is coming in. It knows how slow you are to close the oven door. And it's like, stew, right. man, you got you to gotta close that oven door faster. So, so now say this AI can suggest you saying, hey, there's some draft happening in the back door. Would you like me to call a, a repair person to come fix that? 
it, like the house becomes yeah. its own maintenance person. If this was a portfolio company that was dropped into your lap, what would be some yeah. of the first points where you, what would be your thought process in how to market this to the general public? What do you want to do? What's your goal? Uh, let's say that the early adopters are super into it, really good early feedback, but there's the growth in usership has, has stalled and there's so people aren't seeing the usership. value. Okay. The first thing I would do with a company like that is I would buy ads. So I would go to Reddit and I would buy ads on all these subreddit communities. And I would literally just say like, because those people get the need and understand it. And I would literally have some type of copy that just nudges them to go to our site and just try to get conversions. Right. So like, that's, that's the first thing. And I think that that's the lowest hanging fruit from there. I would think about showcasing the experiences at which a person feels these problems. Right. So like in your earlier example, where like, I've got like a draft and like the, the AI, like it's connected to my nest and my nest realizes that it has, has to constantly pump up the heat to keep the heat in the house and it knows it's abnormal and it kind of knows that the the right quadrant of the house gets colder quicker and it, it seems to happen at the same time every day it first starts to send me notifications on my phone so i'd have an ad where you know there's a person walking there maybe they're at work and it says you know increasing the temperature and then like we fast forward and then it says for the past 30 days, increasing the temperature, here's a few suggestions of repair people that fix drafts in your house. Like, would you like me to book an appointment? And like, I would show how your app did all of that just with the contextual knowledge of as simple as energy saves. And then I would say like this, that would be the value prop that I would lean into. And I would find maybe two or three more value props that fit similar premises and like another one that comes to mind is like, maybe you're one of those people that just leaves all the lights on. Right. And you're like, okay, I didn't buy the smart light bulbs yet. Cause the ones I got work and it's like totally fine. I understand that. But you know, maybe the app suggests instead of replacing all your bulbs, here's a smart switch. Here's a smart uh, power strip. And do you want me to auto set that up for you? I can order it and I can also, you know, set it up once it arrives. And you just plug it in and, and let it and, and wait two minutes, right? And just plug all your utilities into it. And then, you know, make an action where it does that. And I would show that moment of delight where it's like this this app took away all the stress for that person. And so I'd take these stories and I would distribute them, them to uh, our targeted personas in different communities. And I think I would also lean into having our customer base already loves the product, tell that story a few times and I would figure out ways to empower them and amplify their messages. And I would imagine that a customer uh, base for a product like this is going to be, you're going to have a lot of different variants as far as like who your persona is. Like you're going to have, you know, the elderly uh, person that just is really concerned about cost and like will do anything to, to save, save costs because they understand the, the, the value of money and, and the significance of, you know, not overspending. You're going to have the techie that is just like, super geeky and he's like yo i don't ever want to touch a switch like it just needs to just happen and like you're gonna probably have like the mom that bought it because he was like oh this is kind of cool like honey set it up and like you just have to kind of look at that spectrum and figure out where do you feel like you are best positioned to grow and that would be like where i would start you've got to track it on some type of cadence so you know how you're doing or how your ideas are performing out in the market and then you do more of of what's working and you remove what's not and you add more ideas to see if you can get more things that stick 
And that's, that's the quick version of that. Because the product's got a lot of complexities, it's got long timelines, like all this predictive stuff takes time before it gets really good. So people right. expect things to be working immediately. That just doesn't happen. So you have to set the expectation in your creative, in your copy, in your whatever you're doing to get people's attention, showing them the moment of delight is the word you use, I think. And it was like, yeah. oh, when like a month later, you're still living life as, as usual, but there's a draft that you've been living with for years. Yeah. But then within 30 days, it says, I know exactly where the draft is. I can fix it for you. You don't have to worry about anything and you're no longer going to have whatever the pain point is, whether it's money or discomfort or keeping up with the Joneses. I don't know. That could be another kind of like angle on it being like, make sure all your stuff works when your friends come over and you can't figure out how to turn the TV on. Exactly. That's the five minute freestyle, man. You know, like we start introducing data and interesting challenges. I mean, I feel like that's when it feels like a real like marketing uh, problem. But th those are once you have a solid foundation, that's when you can do more cool marketing stuff that people see and takeovers. And like, remember, Gary Vee has been saying the same thing for 10 or now, not even 10 years. It's been like uh, 12 years. So Gary started in like 2007, like 2008. And like, I remember seeing his blogger and, and some of his stuff in some communities. And like, you know, I was just a kid. So I clicked off that stuff. I thought that dude was crazy, right? Like I was so young. And then to see the guy, you know, continuously throughout the years, I remember meeting him at HubSpot Inbound in 2015, 16, somewhere around there. So he wasn't as big as he is today. And like, he was still at that point where like, he had some, like, it was like the, in bro culture, he was like, no, but like to the mass market, he was like, who the f is Gary Vee? <laughs> like, you know, he was still the same dude and he's been that way for some time, but he's laid an incredible foundation. And I think that that's the one lesson that anyone can learn from that guy is like lay that foundation and preach the same message and have brand continuity. And I think that he knows that. And so now when you look at a lot of the content he's produced, I haven't seen anything here recently, but, but the things that stand out is when Gary goes back into the archive and he's like, in 2016, I said, blah, blah, blah. And he like, he throws it. Cause he's like literally been saying the same thing for like 10, 12 years. You're very consistent with the, with your messaging. Like you're on tons of platforms, but how do you manage your personal brand when it comes to that, that continuity and being, being yourself and, and finding your voice as well? I think you got to show up. You got to start rough and scrappy and you got to do more of what works, what, what sticks. So like people kept calling me a futurist, but I don't really like futurist as a, as a term. So I, I invented future thinker, not really invented. It was just more so I, I assigned my brand identity to that term yeah. because I think like a futurist is one of those things where it's like, like, what is a futurist? I don't know any futurist in my life. Like, okay, I know futurists, but like before I started doing inevitable human and all this stuff, I didn't know any futurists, right? I didn't even know what future studies was. Like I was familiar with certain concepts from future studies, but like it wasn't something that I like just innately like would stumble upon in my day-to-day -day life. And I think that that's one to prescribe to prescribe to is like one do the process because you probably already know what you're good at and like you know what you can become even better at. So as long as you start, you're gonna start to see some type of traction, some type of momentum. You've got to lean into that momentum. So if you're posting a, a post daily, you're never getting any traction. Obviously, stop posting a post daily or change the post until you start to get some traction. And then once you get one like and you get three likes the next day, don't stop because it's not a hundred. Small numbers add up. 
And I think that's the biggest takeaway that I've been able to apply constantly to my life. It's just like, you know, lean in when others are saying, oh, I'm not going to do that. And like, you know, six months later, you'll be surprised at how big those small numbers became. I'm using LinkedIn as my main platform. What are yep. uh, someone who's obviously figured out a few ways to be seen and heard and, and respected on that platform? What would be some recommendations for someone who's at that early stage area trying to get learn their voice and develop some, some momentum? I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see a resurgence of personal websites. So you should probably go start there. The question is like, what does a personal website look like in 2022? That's probably where I would, that's where if I were starting a day, I would say like, whatever I'm doing, what does it look like in 2022? And that's a good baseline for you to like, think beyond a lot of what people are doing and avoid the copycat syndrome. And so then you kind of figure out your wave. Once you've got your wave, just ride it, ride it until a set date. There's a guy, I think his name's Andy Path. I'll look him up on YouTube. I, I randomly stumbled on his content, but he, I've been following him for the past, uh, let me see, I'm, I've been following him for the past like a uh, hundred days. And today was day 100. And he started a hundred days ago. He's got 3000 subscribers on, on uh, YouTube here. You see, he's got this like, uh, I'll turn off the volume. He's got this thing where he just shows people or how he's invested $1 per day in cash app stocks. And it's, it's a super fascinating channel. He didn't get a lot of traction, but he's been so consistent. I've been like probably a hella engaged user, right? Like I've watched more than half of his daily videos and they're not quite that long. They're like five minutes each day. I get the notification. And like, what's interesting is I'm looking at the, 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 the comments. He's building up these relationships and he's starting a small tribe. Well, he's gained 3000 people in a hundred days, right? Yeah, it's that's not 3000 overnight. Yeah. But like, especially doing the same thing day over day, he didn't change anything. It's the same format. It's just him talking over a voice, uh, over a, a, a screen recording. And like, that's the type of things, that's the type of, that's what leaning in looks like. It's like finding your momentum. Obviously, I, I don't think he's going to day 100. I'm going to do this for 100. This is day 100. I'm not liking it, but I learned a lot. I'm going to change it and I'm going to be back. And that's what he said today. And it was kind of like, well, you know, now I don't have any more content to watch for the next few days, but I'm excited to see whatever he comes back with because, you know, he kept me engaged for 50 days. And you just have to think about it. Seth Godin has a good book. It's called Tribes. I haven't read the book, but I've, I've seen the gist and summarizations of it. I think that's a great place to start if you want to figure out how to build your tribe and cultivate it. But I would start with a personal website and then start to drive traffic back to your personal website. There's a plethora of ways to do it. Again, if you want to be lazy and there's nothing wrong with being lazy, it works because it, being lazy saves you time, right? You can just buy ads, right? And I'm seeing a lot of brands pop up and DTC or direct to consumer channels where they're just buying ads on Instagram, Facebook, whatever platform, Pinterest, whatever you, whatever, wherever you can buy an ad, they're buying it and they're driving traffic back to their site. It's probably the smartest thing you can do if you just want to get started and then like think about your strategy or where your community lives, right? So once you have your own backyard, go say, Hey, where does, where do people hang out? Where can I, where can I go to start to invite people to my backyard cookout? Right. And so, if LinkedIn is your is a place where you can make that happen, go to LinkedIn and start inviting people to your backyard cookout. But if you just come to LinkedIn and you're a fucking promoter, well, guess what? No one's going to come to your backyard cookout because you you've never provided any value. Like, I think the greatest example of this is like how me and you got connected. 
I think I just commented on one of your uh, posts, like a cup, like for, I think I saw your post once, commented on it, saw your post again, commented on that. And then you reached out to me and now we're here, right? Like, that's just how that's, that's what a community building looks like. It's so show up, add value, add value, add value. And, you know, let the day stack. Don't try to force this stuff. You'll be surprised that if you play the long game, you'll get pretty much everywhere you wanted to go and probably a few other places. I couldn't have said that better myself. Last question on that, because that's just been a lot on my mind. But what's your long game look like? What are you thinking about for the future? Dude, man, right now, you know, I'm working with Mark. So I'm just trying to learn uh, as much as I can from Mark Cuban. And from there, I want to build a community of future thinkers so I can share a lot of the insights that I've learned. So we've got some of the world's, I would say, like, I would say the best because they're probably the only people thinking about some of the stuff that we talk about in this community uh, called Inevitable Human. And, you know, as the, as the journey continues, I think the next obvious area that I'm going to break into is I really want to take some of my talent and skills and apply it to ed tech, not education tech as it currently stands. I tried that already and it was not, it was not beautiful. I'll say that like education tech is probably one of the hardest sectors of technology to really make an impact in. Not only do you have uh, not a lot of money in it, so schools and their budgets, they're not like large, but you know, the sales cycle and sales process for it is very similar to that of like a B2B sale. So it might take six months. You might have to get through a board or a committee, like, it's, 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 it's tough and rough. And you know, in many cases, a lot of the world's greatest minds probably will just say the juice isn't worth the squeeze. The problem with that is when you look at it at large, we've got a lot of kids in the system that are just falling behind, not because they don't have the talent, not because they don't have the skills. It's because they're just not engaging with the work. And I don't blame them. I mean, like Charlotte's Web is dope and it was cool. Like, but <laughs> if I had to grow up in a world where there was TikTok or Charlotte's Web, where the hell do you think I'd be? I'd definitely be on TikTok. And I think that there's a lot to be learned from uh, how Gen Z interacts with uh, computers, even for myself, right? Like, you know, I, I've, I've been to, to start and throw myself in the problem. I've been mentoring uh, kids between the ages of 12 and 15. And we've got a lot, of com- a lot in common interest-wise, but we've got a lot of things not in common, like the way they're focused, the way that their minds work is a lot different than mine. I mean, I can, I can, I can, kind of see that and I respect that and so what I'm trying to think is like okay take something as basic as a book club how the hell would you reinvent a book club for a TikToker right and like it's a tough question even me as a future thinker someone that like always has an idea I'm still really trying to barely move those boulders because I think that that's one area where I just like to take some of my talents and and really just give back to the world so that's what the long game looks like for me if you have ideas or thoughts on that please shoot me an email q at 23 vivi again that's q at 23 com. um because I, I I would love to to figure that out. Because if we can get kids to read, bro, like our lives as as business owners and, and as entrepreneurs, we have to hire the, the the upcoming workforce. And if they can't read, <laughs> I do not want to be the guy that has to build a playbook full of emojis. Like you see the stuff that they can understand and correlate with, man. Like it's this is not it. So I, I'd rather fix that problem now than pay a lot of money to fix it tomorrow. Awesome. Glad you're glad we got people thinking about it because it's super necessary. 
And if hey, you want, you know what I come up with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And anyone who's listening who wants to jump in with you on Inevitable Human, what, can you repeat yeah. that link that you said earlier? Yeah. So just check out one, like the number, Q, like the letter, nine, like the number, X, like the letter, dot com. One Q, nine X, dot com. Amazing Q. This has been unreal. Thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me today. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hillhouse. This has been a great opportunity and you've got a lot of good ideas. So I definitely want to see you in a future Think Through Brainstorm. We'll keep the conversation going. All right, cool. I'll catch you in the future, man. Cheers. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com and put in your email, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.